Hello and welcome. Today is March 22nd and Mike, we are exactly one week since we launched Ag News Daily Podcast and I am excited to say that we have almost a thousand downloads in just one week. That's fantastic. Thank you everybody who's downloaded us, taking the time to subscribe. That uh, that means a lot and hopefully we're able to uh, bring a smile or, or bring some value to you. And, you know, I just want to say here, we would love to hear your feedback. Obviously, people are listening, so tell us what you want to hear more of. Yeah, what can we do? What can we do better? Et cetera, et cetera. And do be sure when you subscribe to rate and review us on iTunes. We're going to do just a few quick news updates here before we bring you a great interview with Chip Flory. So the first thing I wanted to update on, obviously, we've been following the JBS Brazilian beef scandal. And... Hong Kong has also followed suit now, um, stopping Brazilian imports, as well as Senator Tester, and he is the senator from Montana, has announced on the floor Tuesday that he is trying to push legislation through to temporarily block Brazilian beef imports as well. So if that gets pushed through, we won't have to worry about that beef flooding our markets, but that means it does have to go somewhere. Yes, it does. And you've got to wonder about uh, you know how Brazil would look to retaliate. We've been shipping a lot of ethanol down there, you know. Well, yeah, these policy things are always always multiple questions involved. Yes, definitely. Speaking of policy, a lot of folks, particularly in the south and southeastern part of the U.S., remember last year we had dicamba that was sprayed on uh, perhaps some unapproved crops. We had older chemistries that maybe were used, allegedly, in some cases. Uh, But Missouri lawmakers announced today, or rather, the Missouri House uh, passed a vote, 139 to 18. This bill has already passed the Senate. It's going to the governor, and it is going to increase fines up to $10,000 for a first offense and $25,000 for a repeat offense of illegal spraying damaging a neighbor's crop. So... This, it's not mentioned anywhere in the bill, but it is pretty clearly aimed at those uh, dicamba drift episodes that were prevalent in Missouri and Arkansas this last year. So, folks, if you're using the Roundup True, Extend, or any dicamba-tolerant product, be sure to follow the label. We can't let this new tool be taken away by uh, legislators because we've misutilized these older chemistries. Yeah, that's a great point you make there, Mike. Thank you, Delaney. What else you got? Well, one more thing I just wanted to update everyone on. We've been following the avian influenza outbreak, and now two more cases have been reported in Alabama. These are the low pathogen variety, so that's promising, but um, officials are worried that another potential outbreak could occur. And, you know, in every single state where these outbreaks occur, we do see export bans come into place uh, from a lot of our export partners. So, gosh, you know, it's just, it's heck on those uh, individual states. It is. But, Mike, tell us who we have coming up. I know you, I mentioned it earlier, but do you want to give a little introduction for Chip? I would love to. I am really, really excited, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This afternoon, we have the extreme pleasure of talking to one of my favorite people. His name is Chip Flory. A lot of you are familiar with him. He's on Twitter at MRRChip. He hosts a program called Market Rally Radio, and he is uh, still the editor. No, Brian Grady's the senior editor. What is Chip's title at Pro Farmer? Is he the That's editor? That's a good still? question. 
gosh. I think he mentions it in the in, in the interview, so let's just cue it up. Chip, I'm sorry. Well, Delaney, before we get to it, Chip, at the end of his interview, he discusses what moved the markets today. I was just going to read through, give everybody oh, yes. where the markets Perfect. closed. So we'll take a look here at the corn market. May 2017 closed down two and a half cents at 3.58 and three quarters. Deese corn down two and a half at 3.82 even. On the wheat side, May wheat down four and a quarter. Closed the day at 4.22 and a quarter. May soybeans down one and three quarter cents, closed back below ten dollars at nine ninety nine and three quarters. Novi beans up, hey oh, a little bit of green there, up half a cent <laughs> at nine ninety eight and three quarters. Looking over at the livestock, there is some deep, deep green on the board in the livestock markets. April cattle closed up two and a half bucks at one twenty two four fifty. June cattle up two seventy two. Close the day at 113.77. Very exciting news there in the live cattle. Similar story in feeder cattle. In feeder cattle, rather. April up three three dollars seventy two and a half cents. Close the day at 136.350. Movement to the upside in lean hogs. The April lean hog contract also was higher, up 15 cents. Closed at 68.15. May lean hogs down 27 and a half to close the day at 72.52 and a half. And Chip will give us a little more insight on exactly what moved this market at the tail end of his interview. So it is worth hanging around. Delaney, can we queue up? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I am very, very excited for the opportunity to talk to today's guests. Most of our listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with him on Twitter. You're familiar with him coming across through the airwaves every single day. He is the mouth of the markets, and his name is Chip Flory. Chip, welcome to Ag News Daily. Uh, thank you very much. I didn't know that I had that moniker out there, the mouth of the markets, but uh, I guess I could have other ones that would be worse. Yeah, we're going to try if we can't uh, make that one stick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, Chip, we're talking to you uh, a little bit late in the day. You have already taped Market Rally, but for those few listeners who maybe aren't familiar yep. with what you do every single day, could you give us a breakdown? What is Market Rally Radio? Yeah, well, my day starts off in in uh, my old job, I guess, and and it's still very much part of my everyday duties. And I'm still the the editorial director here at Pro Farmer, and and uh, that takes up a, a lot of my time in the morning. Uh, but I'll admit, a lot of my creative energy now goes into Market Rally and and developing that program. We just we we just uh, had our third anniversary for the show i can't hardly believe that but wow uh we've now we've now gone through three years of the show and it's on live every weekday afternoon uh starts at 206 wraps up at at 258 it's an hour long and in on most stations mike it, it's a live broadcast some of the stations it's it's a tape delay uh because you know some of those stations out there they got to get their rush fix and they got to get their hannity you whatever it is and and we'll be on later in the afternoon and in some cases we're on in the early evening on a couple of stations but most of the stations carry it live we've got about 60 affiliates across the country now from indiana out to oh central nebraska and and uh, fargo north dakota down into texas so there's a few holes in there when we talk about our radio stations and our affiliates that, that we don't hit inside of that. 
But for the most part, we've got the Corn Belt covered and get uh, get get the market news and conversation going out there for uh, for a big chunk of the Corn Belt. Uh, we've also got the Farm Journal radio app. Uh, we've got excellent listenership on, on the app. And then, of course, uh, the Market Rally website, we, we still get a fair number of uh, listeners that come in there every day. But, you know, once noon rolls around, Mike... It's all about um, uh, getting geared up, all right? And I think that's what it, the best way to explain it. I just get geared up for Market Rally. It's a high-energy show most days. Uh, it's been compared. Some some people like to describe it as a sports center for the markets. Exactly. There's that, a level yeah. of excitement to it that you just don't get anywhere else, I don't think. Yeah, and I was going to say I take that as a compliment because it, it it's not your it, it's not your typical. Here's how the markets did today. It's not your typical. Here's what moved the markets today. Davis Michelson works very closely with me on it. He's the news anchor on Market Rally. Uh, he's also our tweet of the day guy. And Davis is is the uh, editor for Pro Farmer Inputs Monitor. So he's a contributor to the show on a regular basis. Whether I see something happen on the crude oil market, I know that I can ask the guy sitting across the desk from me about what's going on in the energies because Davis is going to know. He's tracking what's going on in all the energy markets because of propane and and diesel fuel. Uh, And then whenever something comes up on fertilizers, Davis is the guy that I would probably pick up the phone and call to find out if he wasn't sitting across the desk from Hmm. me. So. We we've got a lot of interaction throughout the show, but it's uh, it's fast paced, it's it's interactive. Um, it we we're more interactive on Twitter than we are on phone calls. But we've got some regular callers that call in from time to time and and add a lot to uh, uh, to, to market rally every day, and it's a lot of fun, Mike. It it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's. I'll be honest. It's more work than I thought it was going to be when we started doing it three years ago. But it's very rewarding. Every place we go now and and go out and talk, uh, or like down at Commodity Classic, walk walk down the aisles and people just give me a thumbs up. And uh, you know, I really <laughs> appreciate Market Rally. And and uh, it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It's rewarding that way. Now, Chip, I want to take a second and just backtrack a little bit here. You've been with Pro Farmer since you graduated from Iowa State. Yep. And so tell us what that's like. Why did you decide to take a position there? And I mean, obviously, you've loved it since you've stayed there since graduation. Yeah, 29 years. 29 years in January I've been with uh, Pro Farmer. Um, It wasn't by mistake, okay? Let's uh, let's you know it's really interesting because today Mike Birdo, a farmer from uh, Washington, Iowa, who is also the leader of the Franklin Cub 4-H Club down there in in the Washington area, brought his 4-H club up here today, and we were talking about what 4-H did for me. We were talking about uh, how 4-H trained me to prepare for the future and. I go all the way back, guys. It was. This is going to sound ridiculous to some people, but this is how it went down. Back in 1981, when I was a sophomore in high school, my dad and I were driving down the road. And at that time, Pro Farmer had a quick radio hit 
called the Pro Farmer Minute. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the content was in the Pro Farmer Minute that day. But get this, it was delivered by Ron Michelson. Yes, that Michelson. It was <sighs> Davis Michelson's dad who was delivering uh, the, the Pro Farmer Minute that day. But it made my dad stop the truck, turn around, go back to the house. He made some phone calls. I waited for him outside. When he came back out, he had a smile on his face, and he says, my gosh, that's going to save me a bunch of money. Wow. And, and that had an impact on me. Uh, to see to to see my dad hit the brakes, turn around and take action based off of something that he heard on pro farm from pro farmer had it it had a legitimate impact on me. So go forward a couple of years to my senior year, and I kind of decided pro farmer is what I wanted to do. My senior year in high school, uh, I called up to the guys at pro farmer. I had a conversation with a with a pro farmer editor by the name of Bob Kaufman. Uh, Bob and I talked for, oh, maybe a half hour that day, something like that. But he kind of laid it out for me and, and, and said, if you want an opportunity to work at Pro Farmer, you need to do this, 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 and that. Uh, I went to Iowa State in the journalism department, in the, in the ag journalism department. And we created a, a, a minor. Uh, my advisors worked with me, Paul Lassley, uh, in the sociology department, uh, Ron Dieter in the Ag Econ department, and then Verl Fritz in the journalism department. We all worked together and came up with this socioeconomics, Ag Socioeconomics minor, which is a combination of, of it, the bottom line is how money affects decision-making is, is the bottom line. So I went through, got my minor in Ag Socioeconomics, which we created there at that time, and my degree in, in broadcast journalism, and we came out of it. Well. Lo and behold, my last week at Iowa State, I mean my finals week at Iowa State, phone rang at the apartment, and it was Bob Kaufman. And uh, he, uh, he, he, he was just checking up on me, wanted to know how things were progressing, told him I was graduating, everything looked fine. Uh, and he said, well, you know what, we don't have anything for you right now, but just stay in, stay in touch with us, and if something comes up, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. So the next day, the phone rang again, and it was uh, the bureau chief of Futures World News, who was owned by Oster Communication, which owned Pro Farmer at the time. And uh, the next day, I was on a plane going to Chicago for an interview to be a floor reporter uh, covering the grain markets at the Chicago Board of Trade. By that afternoon, I had the job, and... Uh, uh, I got my foot in the door to the company that uh, that owned Pro Farmer. Well, wow. Okay, fast forward. Fast forward again to 1991. I got a phone call from Bob Kaufman, and he let me know that he was moving on to another position at a different company. And I said, Bob, how long do I have to wait before I make the call? <laughs> and and, uh, and he said, Oh, give it ten minutes, something like that. Well, I think I gave it two. And uh, at the end of a five-minute conversation, I was back at the headquarters of Pro Farmer in Cedar Falls. Wow. Wow. So you were a floor reporter for two years? Am I doing the math right? Three years. Three, Three years, years reporting on the floor yep. at the Board of Trade. And this was late 80s, early 90s, so the pits were the only place right. to trade. What was it like? There were more people. 
There there were more people in the corn pit at that time than there were in my hometown of Oxford Junction, Iowa. Jeez. Wow. That that is no lie. That that is no lie. So you've seen the whole gamut of transitioning from trading on the floor to trading electronically. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it was really dynamic when it was uh, pit trade and and full populations down there. You You didn't have to look at the price to know that something was happening. You just had to listen and uh feel what was going on down on there down there on the floor and and you could start to understand how the markets ebbed and flowed on a not only a weekly basis but on a daily basis and and uh you could feel that and understand it and that's really where i got the the understanding of how the markets work and and how they work together with What's happening in the cash markets and and uh, how they can be used as a tool for risk management in in agriculture and uh, so many conversations with legends. <laughs> I mean, literally legends in the grain trading business that uh, I had over that three year period was was uh, was really educational. Now. By the time I got to the end of that, it was actually about three and a half years that I was in Chicago, but by the time I got to the end of that three and a half years, guys, I was ready to get out of Chicago. There was <laughs> no question about that. Uh, needed to get the farm kid back into Iowa, and, and um, so that's that's when the opportunity came back came up for me to move back to Cedar Falls. And so that was when, I mean, you replaced Bob Kaufman as the editor of Pro Farmer at 25? Well, no, I was the Bob was Bob was the electronic services editor at that time. When I got here, uh, Mike Walston, who is the editor oh. of Landowner for us right now, and uh, the Agriculture Letter uh, for us right here at, at uh, Pro Farmer. Uh, Mike was Mike was the president of Pro Farmer at that time, and Dan Modernock, remember that? Yes, Dan, indeed. Dan was the uh, yeah. Dan was the editor of the newsletter, and then. Ron Michelson took a stint as the editor. Uh, I got back to Cedar Falls in 91, and uh, uh, Dan was the editor at that time. Ron Michelson took a a stint as the editor for, oh, I I think it was a couple of years, and then Jerry Carlson stepped back in as the editor for a period of time. Jerry was a co-founder of Pro Farmer along with Merrill Oster, and then in April of 97, April of 97 is when I – uh, took over as the editor of the of the newsletter, and I I did that until basically April of of 2014. So I had I had 17 years doing what I still consider uh, the coolest gig in in ag journalism. It really is, and Pro Farmer is a resource is. that so many so many growers and industry participants look to for uh, for yeah. suggestions. They look to 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 keep ahead of the game. What so you say your morning is still involved in working with yep. the Pro Farmer newsletter. What does that entail? I mean, I imagine you're using your journalism degree all the time. Oh, yeah. Are you calling folks? Is it kind of set up now where you've got a routine? How does putting that newsletter together happen? Well, uh, we we also have a product called Pro Farmer Today. It's a daily product. I know that's really clever, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So we've got Pro Farmer Today, and through Pro Farmer Today, 
we send out a total of 13 different items every day. Uh, you know, just to do the quick math, that's like 275 items a month that we send out by email and, and it's available in some other spots. But it's that process of combing through the news, uh, that process of, of calling our cash market um, uh, sources. Uh, if, if there's a shipping issue that's going on someplace in the country, we'll make contact with those people. And, and it all goes into the daily service. Well, when you, when, when you put out 13 different items a day, you do that five days a week, by the time we get to write the newsletter, what the, what I did and what Brian Grady does now is you look at that whole pool of news that we have collected, sorted through, generated through the course of the week, and then it's it's Brian's job now, and it was my job, but it's Brian's job now to bring that newsletter together. You don't put it together. You don't just grab this news item here and that news item there and you throw it into the newsletter. There's a theme to that newsletter. It tells a story from from the first from the very first uh paragraph that talks about here's what happened in the markets this week until the final period on page 4 on news page 4. It it tells a story everything flows from the beginning to the end and and it's there for a reason if, if there's not a reason for that that piece of information to be in pro farmer newsletter at, at, every week it doesn't make it. it it absolutely does not make it into the newsletter so brian is is taking oh somewhere in the range of uh 65 to 70 reports a week and boiling it all down and putting it into four four pages of news in the newsletter. Jeez. Wow. That's why yeah. he always looks so tired. You need to give him more vacation time. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Pearson. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you something. And the other, you know, another thing that I yeah. do for Pro Farmer uh, during, during the winter months in particular, but uh, I go out and I, I do um, uh, uh, I do several uh appearances speaking uh and it's all about information and education when we go out there and do that you know there's uh at at, at uh, farm journal uh we really we we really focus on the service journalism it's not here's what happened today and and uh here's what led up to it it's here's what happened today here's what it means to you here's what you should do about it and it's that service journalism that uh, that we really try to stay focused on here at Pro Farmer. Right. And the service journalism, I'm sure, too, helps you in the end when you're doing Market Rally Radio, making those connections for producers. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, I learn something every day from the guests that I have on Market Rally. I mean, it's some of the brightest minds. Uh, it's and you, you know I enjoy talking to Rick Brock on the show, uh, Jim Bauer, the, uh, Bob Utterback, the 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 well known uh, Mark Gold. I got to throw him in there, oh, yeah. but the really well known uh, market analysts and and market commentary uh, commentators, the uh, advice givers out there. I, I I 
thoroughly enjoy talking to those people on the show. But, you know, I, I got to admit, I'm, I'm looking forward very much to Market Rally on March 30th. And the reason that I'm looking forward to that was just this morning I had a conversation with a guy from Sam. Uh, his name is Sam Hudson. He's with Corn Belt Marketing. Have you heard of him? No, I have not. No. Right. Right. Um, but I spotted him out there. I've had a conversation with him on the phone now. He's a great guy, unbelievably bright. Uh, I won't say, you know, he's not a young guy, uh, but he's, uh, he, he, he knows where he's at and he knows what he wants to do. And, and he's got some clients that he, that he wants to help and he's going out of his way to do it. And I want to hear his story. And I want to get some insights from, from Sam. And so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we, we only talked for maybe 20 minutes this morning, but I'm so looking forward to getting to know him on Market Rally. And I can give you a long list, guys, a long list of people that we've done the same with and, and that I've gotten to know in front of everybody yeah. on Market Rally. And it's developing that relationship with them and getting to know them and you know, it it's to the point now that when I see something happening in a market, I know that I've got a list of 12 guys that I can go to and say, we need to address this this issue that's going on in bean oil. And and this is this is a group of people that I can go to for it. Well, and I think as a as a listener, I've been listening to Market Rally. I don't think I've tuned in for all three years because, Chip, you are there's a little gap right at Grinnell, Iowa. So I listen in yep. on the uh, the Farm Journal app um, every day. Yep. But one of the things that really drove home to me your connections at Pro Farmer and and your connections in the industry was just two weeks ago when the RFA and the yep. Trump administration rolled out the change in uh, obligation points, and boom, yep. you're right there with Jeff Groin. You're right there. Uh, gosh, I forget the analyst you had on that day, but you tackled that issue from five or six different places. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. To yeah, have that and it, uh, I think it was Chris Robinson from Top Third yes. was on that day. Oh. And I had Chris, I had Chris booked for the show. Okay, uh, Chris, Chris was on Market Rally early uh, in year one, and he would do the feel from the floor in the first segment with me. Okay, but I'd never had him on as a guest for the for, as a guest analyst for the uh, for the two main guest segments. And I had him booked. I finally had him all booked and ready to go. And then this breaks, and I've got Broin, and and off we go. And he participated in the conversation. Yeah. So it 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 was a lot of fun. Well, now I'm excited. This is the first week we're going to have Chris Robinson on Market to Market. Uh, Mark oh, Gold you're going to enjoy that. Out of commission, so Chris is stepping in, and yeah, I'm really looking because he does the tweets, right? He's the top third Twitter master. No, no, no. Oh. Top third Twitter master is a goofball by the name of Craig Van Dyke. <laughs> That's right. Shoot. Well, my apologies yep. to Craig. Yes, darn it. Oh, you don't apologize correct. to Craig. <laughs> <laughs> they have one of the best Twitters on, or the best market Twitters going. Yeah. You know, I follow if Top If you can third. believe what he's saying. <laughs> That's what makes it fun. You got to guess. <laughs> now, Chip, I want to ask you. 
as a man like you who is truly, you can tell just listening to the program, listening to you here, you are passionate about the markets. What market intrigues you the most? Cattle. Why? Uh, Because I raised cattle when I was a kid. Um, I got my... I got my son bit by the cattle bug. That's going to bite me in the wallet. Oh, I know boy. that. What's he doing? Um, well, he went through the uh, beef program at, at Kirkwood Community College down in Cedar Rapids. Standing program, yeah. Okay. Yep, it really is. It really is. And um, um, he's committed. He's committed to uh, raising cattle at some point in the future. Now, he's 21 years old. So what I told him was go out and work hard for a while, put some money in the bank. So right now he is working for a hog producer down by Hudson, Iowa. Okay. His name uh, uh, Tom Schneider. Tom Schneider is, is Schneider Farms. Uh, Tom is down there working uh, uh, in the finishing units and and the uh, nurseries. And you know he's Tom's is, Tom is trying to be something really rare really rare in this business and and that is a skip generation farmer yeah my dad was a farmer i grew up on a farm uh we we like many others and this is a story that i could talk about for for hours but we went through the 80s we went through the crisis we ended up uh with with my brother who's 10 years older than i and uh and my dad were a partner you know, things didn't work. I'm 14, 15 years old standing there going, what the heck is going on around me? And uh, that kind of threw me for a loop, took some of the took some of the luster away from farming for me when I saw what my dad and brother went through. And now when I look back and I understand how it happened, you know, I'm even madder, uh, not at them, not at them. But I'm even madder at the system, and that that was in place at that time, not now. Right. Uh, so there's been a lot of fixes that have gone on, and and uh, and so on. But Tom's trying to be that skip generation farmer, where you, my brother isn't farming anymore, I'm not farming. Uh, so we're we're trying to go from granddad to grandson in farming, which means that I'm going to get pulled along with this, and, yeah. and I'm telling you. I'm not resisting. <laughs> I'm not resisting. I just hope he doesn't get tired of me and and uh, kick me off the ride because I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I'm 51 years old. I I I think I'm still eligible for beginning farmer loans through USDA. You are maybe, maybe not the young farmer, yeah. not the young farmer loans, but the beginning farmer loans, and we're gonna. We're we're going to take this ride together here over the next ten years or so and see where it takes us. But Tom's out there learning what it takes to to be involved in uh, in animal agriculture. And when the time is right, we'll we'll be uh, taking our steps back into the farming business. You bet. He's got a good mentor to help him on the marketing side. Yeah, Grandpa's pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, and then he can always tune into Davis <laughs> as well. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> Davis can so. get the weather updates from uh, Mavis, who occasionally yeah. gives us updates on Market Rally. <laughs> now, Chip, so there's there's enough here. I, I would love to have you back on at some point. Would you be willing to come and have another conversation? 
Sure. Yeah, we can do that, Mike. I'd, uh, I'd enjoy it. You bet. Before we let you go, since I did not yeah. get a chance to listen to Market Rally Radio today, could you give us a breakdown right. of the markets? Yeah, you bet. Uh, a couple of things that come right to the surface when we talk about what's going on in the markets right now. Um, number one, big South American crops and not just big, but potentially getting even bigger than what USDA has shown us so far. Jeez. And that's not just on soybeans. You know, the market has gotten so used to talking about uh, South American crops and just immediately thinking soybeans. It's corn. It, and, and corn uh, has the potential to have the biggest impact on our balance sheets when we get out to the 17-18 marketing year. Uh, more so than what it will on on soybeans, and and the reason that I say that is, we've got enough growth on protein demand around the world that Brazil can go ahead and grow this big crop, 108, 110 million metric tons of beans, uh, you know whatever the the final number is going to be on on Brazilian beans, and the mar the the global market will absorb it, will consume it. Now, are we going to are we going to do that without building up our carryovers a little bit? No, uh, carryovers are still going to be bird, uh, are, are still going to be on the rise, but our growth on the demand side out there, guys, is such that if there's a hiccup in South America on bean production, if there's a hiccup on um, uh, bean production here in the states, it it will be reflected. It will be readily reflected in, in the price of beans. On corn, it's a bit of a different story. I mean, that Brazilian bean crop is going to – or South American crop. I, I don't want to ignore Argentina, Uruguay, mm -hmm. Paraguay, and Bolivia. But the South American bean crop is going to be up somewhere in the range of 8% from, from last year. But when we look at corn, it's going to be up about – 32, 33, maybe 35 percent from what it was a year ago. So instead of exporting this year, we're going to export about 2.2 to 2.25 billion bushels of corn. Right now, the estimate is 2.225 billion. Uh, next year, that big crop that they're supposedly growing of corn is going to have a big impact on the balance sheets. I mean, we're going to be looking at exports next year around 1.85 to 1.9 billion bushels of corn out of the U.S. because South America is going to be resupplying uh, the Jeez. global market uh, in, in the year ahead. So it ha it'll, it'll be a big – so those big crops, guys, that's the overhang. Uh, that's what's hanging over this market right now. And then, of course, we got the perspective plannings right. and the uh, – quarterly grain stocks report coming out on on the 31st nobody wants to pull the trigger on anything new going into that so that's kind of draining some volume out of the markets right now all right look out above on cattle good holy mackerel <laughs> good how much how much more wow. room is there to the upside you know there's still room when you look at it from a technical perspective only and just look at that june contract Guys, the formation that is in place right now could get us into the mid-120s in, in the June. In the June. In the so June, another 10 bucks? Yeah, yeah. Jeez. That's just from the technical standpoint. Now, at some point, the market's going to be oversold enough that somebody's going to step in on the sell side of the market. On a day like today, when the when we're two and a half or to three bucks higher, 
somebody will step in on the sell side of the market in a big enough way that it will force the issue. Okay. And we'll get a technical setback in here. I don't think there's any question about it. But when you look at how far out the retailers are booking beef, not not packers booking cattle, but retailers booking beef right now, and you take that back to the cash market, all that's doing is forcing the packer to reach deeper out into into the future and, and lock some cattle up uh, for processing three weeks from now, four weeks from now. So this market is really getting out in front of itself. Uh, it's exceptionally current out there in the feedlots, i got to believe. It, we got a friendly uh, cold storage report for beef today. Finally. There's the – finally, yeah. Uh, there are some th- – th- it feels like there are that, that there is still upside potential in it, but just strictly from a money flow and a technical point of view, the market is vulnerable to a really quick, sharp sell-off, and then we'll find out how much guts this cattle market's got and if it can hang in here or not. All right. Fire up those grills, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep yeah. this thing going. Well, Chip, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed getting to know you here over the past couple of years, and I'm looking forward, yeah. Chip Flory, of going head-to-head with you in the Governor's Charity <laughs> Steer Show at the Iowa State Fair. Oh, goodness. I, 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 I am almost speechless at the opportunity. <laughs> it's going to be a lot I of fun. And i got to say thanks, Mike. I got to say thanks, Mike. I know I know that you had something to do with this, and uh, I cannot tell you how much I am looking forward to it. Hey, we just want to make sure we got folks that know what they're doing out there, and uh, you're one of them. So we'll let you get going, Chip. Thanks again, and tune in tomorrow at two o six to Market Rally Radio. And just a quick correction there. Again, that was Chip Flory. His personal Twitter handle is at Chip Flory, so be sure and follow him. He's a great person to not only give you some market advice, but, you know, what's going on in the industry. That's right. He is a fount of wisdom, and uh, he's just one of my favorite people to talk to, as you could probably tell in that interview. He's a man of deep intellect, and he certainly knows these markets inside and out. So we will get a chance to converse with Chip Flory in the future. Delaney, in the meantime, do we have anything else going on today? Today we don't, but tomorrow be sure and stay tuned because we have Lauren Schwab. She is an Ohio pig farmer, second generation, and she's not only involved in pig farming, but also advocating for agriculture. So make sure and tune in tomorrow when we interview her.